This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokotov, good morning. How are you? Oh, wait. Uh, sorry, Anthony. We just. Uh uh, we just struggling to hear you. Let's try that again. Anthony, are you there? Do you hear me okay now? Perfectly clear. Okay, Tov. Um, I was just looking through some of the statistics that were released the other day by the IDF regarding uh, this particular operation, Swords of Iron. We are, of course, on day 103 of the operation. And one of the interesting things that I've found there was the information about the reservists who've been called up. Mm. According to the official information from the IDF, 295,000 reservists have been called up mm. to the war effort. Apparently, they serve an average of 61 days, um, and we're seeing a lot of rotation now recently with some of the reservists who've been there, some of them since uh, pretty much since October the 7th being released. Um, at least for a little bit of a break, not necessarily completely released and saying, being told that their job is over, but being told at least that they can have some time at home, perhaps to go back to their regular lives and to, to go back to their jobs and to, to have a little bit of time away from the war effort. Um, but the interesting thing is that out of those 295,000 reservists who were mobilized, 81% of them are men and 19% are women. And out of those um, reservists, we're told that 115,000 out of the 295,000 are fathers and 3,000 of them are mothers. So that just gives you an idea of who these soldiers are that are fighting our cause. Um, The latest statistics on the number of soldiers who've been killed in this operation since the ground operation began unfortunately rose again um, this morning with the announcement of two further deaths uh, amongst the ranks of the IDF reservists 192 soldiers now having been killed since the ground operation began and we spoke yesterday about that very very sinister hostage video that was released including two men and a woman the woman was was the one who was doing the narration saying that the two men had been killed as a result of IDF operations um, effectively being killed by friendly fire. Um, and the uh, Kibbutz Be'eri, where those two men were kidnapped from, have announced that um, they were killed in captivity. So it's now recognized that those two men um, were in fact killed <clears throat> during the time that they were in captivity with Hamas. And um, the uh, IDF is saying that as far as the woman is concerned, that they have signs of life from her so of course um, she is uh, being considered to be alive in captivity still but um, of course we do mourn the death um, of those two 
um, Yossi Sharabi and Itai Sversky, <clears throat> who we consider to have been murdered by Hamas. Um, and they've rejected the notion that these men were killed by friendly fire. In fact, the IDF has come back saying that, in fact, there were no operations around the building where, at that particular building where they were being held at the time where they claimed to have been held, even though apparently the IDF was operating in that area, somewhere in that vicinity, not too far away from where they were, but there are denials that they actually attacked the particular building where they were held. So it sounds like more psychological warfare being waged. Mm -hmm. Just one other comment that I want to make in general is that there has been a lot of concern raised about this war resulting in a much more regional war. And a lot of people have said, how is that going to happen? How exactly does that work? Why are we concerned that more parties in this region will get involved and it becomes something more of a regional war and potentially even beyond that? Well, when we look at some of the activities that we see going on, um, I think it's becoming more evident as to why this could potentially become a regional war. Because so far, during the period since October the 7th, We've seen the Houthis from Yemen involved. We've seen the Saudis intercepting missiles that have been directed towards Israel. So the Saudis have become involved. We've seen the United Arab Emirates involved because they too have been involved in intercepting missiles. Iran, it goes without saying, has been involved. And in fact, Iran has even launched missiles of its own from its own territory towards Iraq. Iraq has claimed that it has launched missiles towards Israel. And in fact, there was an announcement yesterday uh, that there was a, a missile launched towards Israel. And in fact, there was an explosion reported in Haifa a few days ago, which was unexplained at the time. And some people are putting two and two together and saying perhaps that was the Iraqi missile that somehow landed in the industrial area of Haifa. That remains to be confirmed or denied. But there's certainly speculation about that. We know that the Syrians are involved because they've launched missiles into Israel and the Lebanese and Hezbollah, of course, from Lebanon. And so all of a sudden, oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention Jordan, who have also intercepted missiles. We've got U.S. and U.K. Um, involvement in this region as well because they've uh, sent missile, they've sent uh, um, uh, attacks against the Houthis. We've got Qatar involved in many different ways. We've got the Egyptians involved on the other side of the Gaza border. And all of a sudden, when you look at that, even though it's not an all-out warfare on all fronts, but all of a sudden, the entire region is somehow involved. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's enormously worrying uh, when you're seeing just this escalation. And the fact that Iran is becoming more and more directly involved is, is also obviously problematic. Let's just, talk, uh, let's just talk about the deal that was reached to send medication to Israeli hostages. So it was announced that um, Qatar has somehow managed to broker an agreement with the involvement of the U.S. administration as well, which will allow medication to be sent to Israeli hostages being held by Hamas. Exactly how this is all going to happen is something of a little bit of a mystery to me. Because on the one hand, Hamas claims that they don't really know where all the hostages are. And I'm guessing that when medication is being sent, it's kind of got a name and an address on it. You know, this medication is for a particular hostage because many of those hostages there suffer from medical ailments mm -hmm. and do require 
very, very specific medication. So exactly how it's going to work that Qatar will somehow deliver the medication to Hamas, uh, sorry, to the International Committee of the Red Cross. The International Committee of the Red Cross will make sure that it gets to the right hands within the Gaza Strip, be it Hamas or whoever else is potentially holding these hostages. And then the hostage themselves, whoever it is, will actually receive their dose of the little box of medication or the boxes of medication, whatever it is. I'm not sure exactly how we can expect that whole system to work. And in, whether it's some sort of a ruse that Hamas is just saying, okay, we'll give the medication, which never really happens. But of course, there is always a quid pro quo. And the quid pro quo is more uh, humanitarian aid coming into Gaza, even though I suspect that the Israeli government doesn't necessarily see that as a big give up. In other words, the possibility of humanitarian aid going into Gaza from the Israeli government perspective is okay and fine and should be agreed even without anything in return, as long as it goes to the civilians who need it mm. and not mm. humanitarian aid that's going to feed the Hamas war effort and certainly not humanitarian aid that might have military supplies hidden amongst the goods that are going into the Gaza Strip. And I think therein lies the slight um, compromise from the Israeli perspective is that we can't really be sure that all the humanitarian aid is going to humanitarian purposes. Much of it, it seems, goes to Hamas. And we've actually seen pictures of those trucks driving through the Rafah crossing and really moving past where the civilians are and going right into the areas where the Hamas terrorists are taking uh, you know, the, the supplies in. Mm. Um, so that is an issue. But we do hope that at least after 102 days that these hostages may somehow get access to the medication that they need. It's inconceivable how they could have survived more than three months without mm. their required medication. Some of them with quite serious medical yeah. issues. And, and um, some of them injured. And I'm guessing, and, and many of them injured. Mm. And, um, you know, so it's not clear exactly what this whole medical shipment is really going to do on the ground. But I certainly hope that it does have some impact. And to think that we have to wait three months to give people what we consider to be a basic right of their medication to keep them alive is just inconceivable in my view that, you know, you want to have a war and you want to play war games and, and all of that is, is, is quite understood. But civilians should not be involved and to deny people their medication is just beyond the limit absolutely beyond the limit and you know i know that i don't have to say this mm. to people who already understand that holding hostages for a hundred days civilians men women children injured uh, elderly people without their medication is just cruel and inconceivable even in today's world there are standards about how war should be conducted and this is not one of the standards Absolutely right. What is the latest from the northern border as well as from Gaza itself? So, so each day that goes by on the northern border seems to be a little more intense than mm. the previous day. Mm. And certainly feeling. from an IDF perspective, yesterday was a pretty intensive day with lots and lots of Air Force 
bombing across the area in Lebanon, deeper and deeper into Lebanon, getting more and more a target to, towards um, Hamas, uh, sorry, Hezbollah positions um, further into Lebanon. There was some particular areas targeted, which intelligence have identified as being Hezbollah um, strongholds. And so it becomes just a little more intense every day. And certainly missiles coming over the border towards um, Israeli side as well. So again, yesterday on the northern border, even though we don't have a full out, all out war um, declared on the northern border, but certainly things are just getting a little more intense which with every passing day. And um, I'm guessing that uh, today will be the same, that there will be just a little bit more and a little bit more in terms of Israel's involvement on that northern border. As far as Gaza is concerned, um, an interesting article from the New York Times has said that whereas previously we had estimated that there was something around 400 kilometers worth of tunnels in Gaza, the latest estimate now says somewhere between 560 and 700 kilometers of tunnel length beneath the surface in Gaza. It just gets more and more mind-blowing every time we, we, we get these statistics. 5,700 tunnel shafts, 5,700 tunnel shafts to enter into the tunnel system. We saw some videos coming out yesterday showing IDF having destroyed a significant tunnel in the central part of Gaza along the Salah al-Din um, main arterial road which goes down the center of Gaza and apparently a major tunnel right underneath Salah al-Din Road, and that was being destroyed yesterday, and we saw some, some videos of, of the explosions which took place underground. Um, we are also being told that the IDF has vacated some parts of central and northern Gaza to allow civilians to return to some of those areas, and lo and behold, as soon as the IDF vacated a certain part of central Gaza, there was a barrage of rockets being fired mm. from that area. We're being told there's something like 7,000, 7,000 rocket launch facilities have already been destroyed and many, many more still to come. Could you imagine the amount of investment and the amount of work that went into establishing that infrastructure? These numbers, every mm. time we mm. hear them, seem to be just more inconceivable than before but still a lot of uh, operation yeah. going on in the area of Khan Yunus at the moment um, and so the Gaza operation continues albeit with a slightly different focus than before. And see, before I let you go Gail wants to know good morning Howard haven't the Netanyahu children been called up uh, to uh, to the army? Um, it's a good question I, I'm not sure what the status of all of the Prime Minister's children are with regard to military call-up is concerned. I do know that Yair did serve in the military and he had a slightly controversial military training where um, he, he, wasn't, uh, uh, he wasn't involved in any of the, uh, um, um, the uh, um, commando side um, or any of the combat side of the military. And in fact, for, for a period of time, he was involved in the military radio activities. So as far as I am aware, um, the Netanyahu children have not been called up to the military. They're not the only ones. There mm -hmm. are some others uh, and some people who are still waiting for rotations. They will still be called up. But as far as I'm aware, if you're asking specifically about the Prime Minister's children, as far as I know, they have not been called to the military. That is where we leave it. Anthony Reich, thank you as always. It's 801. We'll catch you tomorrow morning at 7.45 for the Israel Report.
That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Tzahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Oh,